best friends. I'm Tabby. And I'm Caitlin. And today we will be discussing The Finish Line, the third and final book in the Ravenhood trilogy by Kate Stewart, our queen. Yes, our queen. Um, however, we did really condense the synopsis on this one um, just because like there wasn't like a lot that happened of, that was like worth noting. So um, it's it's a pretty short one. If you want to read the book, read the book. If not, then this should suffice. Yeah, this is more of like a summary rather than a synopsis. It's not a synopsis. <laughs> like if you really want to go to fucking whatever it's called, uh, Spark Notes. Oh, yes. Do they still do Spark Notes? I don't actually know. I'm sure they do for old yeah. books. I'm sure they do. I'm sure Maybe it's not for this. <laughs> Anyways, but um, we start off, uh, Tobias is gone to be with Cecilia in the new life she's made for herself um, in BFE. And this book is mostly about the struggles that they face as Cecilia tries to forgive Tobias for all the heartbreak he's caused her in the past. So there's a lot of flashbacks to um, Tobias's past from the childhood where he had to take care of Dom and also flashbacks to when he was in France um, for his school as a young man and began to form the Ravenhood. And during these flashbacks, we learn about Tobias working with a man named Antoine. So Antoine basically helped Tobias gain the skills and connections to form the Ravenhood, but later turned into one of the biggest threats and enemies because he was basically a little bitch and like kind of kept Tobias on the hook. Even after he came back to America, he was like still kind of keeping Antoine like on the back burner, basically. Yeah, because, like, the thing is with Antoine is Tobias never really necessarily wanted to work with him. It's just that Tobias had, like, nothing to start with. And so he was like, well, I need, like, someone to help me, like, get the resources that I need, basically. But anyway, a lot happens as far as flashbacks and uh, will they, won't they with Cecilia and Tobias, even though we knew they would get together, but like, there was a whole lot of like back and forth. Drag him along like the whole book. (laughs) Yeah. Super annoying. In my opinion, as the book ends, Cecilia kind of pulls a little sneaky one on Tobias for once. So she has not stopped being a badass bitch. And she develops this whole elaborate plan with the help of all the triple falls Ravens to take down Antoine without Tobias knowing because she knew that Tobias was like hiding something. She literally just called Sean and was like, what the fuck is going on? He's going like fucking crazy. Yeah. So she was like, okay, I'll take care of my man. And so she executes this plan perfectly. Tobias is like, oh my God, this woman is the love of my life. She's amazing. She's a queen. And so they continue in their work together in the Ravenhood with Cecilia, like leading a lot of the decisions and stuff. They, they work for another seven years at the Ravenhood and they take down like their five most prolific targets that they've been working towards all these years. And so then they feel like they can finally retire and the two of them get to have their life of peace in St. John de Luz and they have their little happily ever after. And it's very sweet. It was really cute. It is. Um, After dealing with like fucking them having like the worst. Literally trying to sexual tension, even like they've already gone together. I don't know. It was wild. Yeah, and this is, like, 10 years of their life that they wasted, like, wanting to be together, but, like, not being together, basically. <sighs> and like It was exhausting. Well, I guess not 10 years, but, like, it was six. I don't know, it was, like, seven or eight years of their six life. So, like, oh, she yeah, was gone. Another eight months go by. She was gone for eight months, and then, like, we get, like, 
another fucking eight months of that. Yeah, so like, like if you round up, whatever, it's ten, 10 years. 10 ish <laughs> no, Not good. We'll call it 10. It's more, um, more time than they should have spent on. <laughs> especially because like there were so many times that they were like two seconds away from fucking, but then someone would knock on the door and they're like, well, we can't let that happen again. Well, mostly Cecilia, but anyway, um, <laughs> what are your kind of like overall ratings for this book? So I love this series and I have like a, a wild respect for, for Kate Stewart. Um, however, this book just like didn't do it for me. And like, honestly, after like everything that happened in Exodus, like it was just kind of like a letdown for me. And um, so I gave it like an eight, I gave it an 8.5 out of 10 because there were still some like parts of the book that I loved and I thought they were great. I thought they were well-written and mostly that was like the flashbacks from Tobias's point of view. And then the very last chapter of the book um, were like my favorite, like the epilogues, but like the back and forth between Cecilia and Tobias, like grated on me. I thought it was terrible. Same. And so I actually like, I would rate it an eight out of 10 for really similar reasons. Yeah. And because like, I felt like the middle of the book for me, I was doing a lot of skimming um, up until like, maybe there was like a quarter of the book left. And then I was finally like, okay, I'm back. I love the characters. I love the closure that we get. And also I love all the insight into Tobias and the Ravenhood that we would not have otherwise had. So well, and so the, I like it, but the thing with this book too, and like I was gonna talk about it later, but I think it fits in really nicely here. So Kate Stewart initially had written this book as just like a little bonus short story as like an extra to Exodus. So like in Exodus, they ride off into the sunset together after like all this sad stuff with Dom and like we get that closure. And so I kind of wish she had just kept it as a short story and basically like broke it down into a few chapters where we do get that backstory behind like Tobias's flashbacks. I, I love knowing like how the Ravenhood was formed. I thought that was awesome. We got to see Dom and Sean and Tobias like as like young children. And that was great. And I love that. And then, you know, getting to see how Cecilia and Tobias like ended up together seven years later and how they started a family and got married. And then like the very last chapter with Sean and his son and like him telling him about the Ravenhood. I thought that was so beautiful. And it gave me like goosebumps. And like, if she had just left it as that, it would have been awesome. And I, I really just don't think we needed that back and forth between Tobias and Cecilia. I 100% agree because the thing about it is Yes, I do understand that realistically Cecilia would be guarded after everything that she went through. But my issue that I'm taking with it is that Cecilia like had all of these reasons that she didn't trust Tobias and stuff, but she loved him in spite of it. And she literally went back in the second book. She went to Triple Falls to like beg him to take her back. And I get like, yes, he did like reject her at that point, but he was scared. He was scared. I mean, she was scared. It was all like... It had been six years. It, yeah, exactly. And so my thing is, I am really kind of surprised that she doesn't readily accept his apology and like excuses. And I'm not saying that would necessarily be the healthiest it's not the thing, best thing. But it surprises me about her character that that's not how she responded to him coming back for her. I'm surprised yeah. that she like was so 
Well, because <laughs> if you think back to like when she had her fight with Sham, and maybe it's like a like a character development for her. I don't know. Because like when she had that giant fight with Sean in the kitchen and he basically was like, you think I'm fucking crazy. And she was like, you know, I just don't agree with some of this stuff and like walked away when he was like, no, you know, I'm sorry. She went back to him immediately. And yeah. like the way Dom treated her, she went back to him immediately. Yeah. So it would have been very like in character of her to do so and so I was just shocked when she like kind of put him through the ringer same and like honestly she probably should have and I do think that's realistic for someone to react that way it just surprised me that she did as a character which I think showed growth as a person I guess that's true that is true so maybe that's like what what Kate Stewart was trying to convey um but it is also just like funny how it leads to like this basically mental breakdown in Tobias like he is like he's not doing well (laughs) yeah I literally like cannot live without this woman and I've fucked it up and he was like I just I cannot go on without her and he had like freaking mental breakdowns in her kitchen like he's drinking a lot yeah trying to cook extremely drunk and he just made a disaster of everything and poured out a bunch of drunk confessions that he couldn't even remember the next morning. Like he was not okay. He literally went for like a run because he goes for a run when he's angry. He went for a run. He was like so drunk. He went for a run in jeans, no shirt and an apron because he had been cooking and he was like, I have to get out of here. I have to go for a run. So he just took off. Yeah. It was just like very in the car. It was almost like uncomfortable to read in some of those chapters because I'm just like, what has happened to you? Like, what has this lady done to you? Like, he (laughs) is like the fucking king of the Raven Hood. Like, he is taking down like the government and like terrorist organizations and like... He is getting sloppy drunk in a kitchen, like crying well, on the floor. Cecilia is Helen of Troy. My gosh. Like, Which is one of my favorite everything. stories. Oh, yeah. She just turned his world on its head and he was like, fuck. <laughs> Let's talk about Cecilia, actually. Um, I feel like she, like her character took five steps back in the first like 80% of that book for me. Like she was... I don't know. Their, I mean, their relationship has always been, like, toxic, I guess. Mm. But her character was really pissing me off. And, like, I always gave her the benefit of the doubt in the first two books. And I'm like, yeah, girl, like, I get it. Like, I'd mm. probably act the same if I were in your shoes. And maybe I would, too, if I was in that situation. But I just felt like she's kind of a bitch in the third book. And, like, she did have her, like, absolute badass moment. Like, in the last 10%, when she does, like, go up against Antoine, and she has the whole Ravenhood, like, backing her up. But, like, I don't know. Like, she, the back and forth was a lot. No, I 100% agree. And, again, like, I can understand why she would react that way, but it just does not feel like our Cecilia. Like, not my Cecilia. And that's why she should have left as a short story. Yeah, because, like, okay, You can say that, like, Cecilia had, like, this growth or whatever, but, like, hey, we have come to know and love our girl for who she is. And so for you to, like, switch things up at the end. I would have easily accepted that she just took him back. (laughs) Yeah, I don't like it. She would have absolutely have been, like, immediately, yes. And that's what I was led to believe was going to happen at the end of Exodus. Yeah. She just, like, drove him to her house and she was like, we're going home. And I yeah, was like, yeah. she was like, yeah, okay. I'm Makes like, sense. that sounds great. Yeah. Let's end it there. <laughs> <laughs> and 
anyways. <laughs> um, I did love like her de- redevelopment of her relationship with Sean. Like they did have a very beautiful moment together at the end of the book and like kind of got some closure and like, he did still tell her, you know, like, I'll always love you. You're the first girl I ever loved. And she's like, yeah, you're the first guy I ever loved, but we're in two different spots in our life. And I really do feel like it's like this unrequited love, like is star-crossed lovers type vibe where like, if anything had been different, they would have ended up together in some life. Yes. And that always is going to make me a little sad and it's always going to break my heart a little bit for them because they will always love each other. Yes. Um, It just wasn't meant to be in that lifetime. And I think that's like an interesting thing to write into a story because in our culture and society, like people tend to be monogamous. They tend to be extremely jealous if anyone like harbors feelings for like an ex-love. But... I think it's so important to like recognize that there is nothing wrong with you. If you still hold love for someone in your heart, that's healthy. That's healthy because like, imagine like you're widowed, like, of course you're still going to love your spouse that's passed away. Like it's no different than just being like separated from someone because they didn't break up because they stopped loving each other. They broke up because of circumstances. And so like, of course you're still going to love that person in some way for the rest yeah. of your life. Just like she'll love Dom for the rest of her life. Like she, ha- she made her That's whole funny. house, something that Dom would enjoy. Like her whole home was dedicated to their safe space during those rainy days. And oh, I thought that was such a beautiful way to celebrate him. And I don't and know. Like I, hold his cr- memory I cried a little bit. When <laughs> yes. Because yes, you absolutely can love people multiple ways and you can love someone in multiple different ways at different points in your life and that's a great example of what Cecilia and Sean are experiencing and I think that like Tessa in the second book definitely had a moment of jealousy with Cecilia because she which I get it looking back on it I get it Oh, that's totally valid. And well, I do wish that she hadn't like immediately acted like yeah, Cecilia she did didn't wrong. do it well, but I understand <laughs> where she was coming from. I do too. And so like, I think she was able to like finally reconcile in her mind that like, yes, they do still love each other, but like they recognize that they will not be together. Like they yes. do not belong together in the way that Sean and Tessa and Cecilia and Tobias do. Which kills me a lot inside. And it's I know. Okay. Uh, it's supposed it's to because sad. it probably kills them a little bit inside too. Yeah. That they never had their moment, but they also get it. <laughs> I don't know. It's just really sad. Yeah. So like don't ever let anyone tell you that there's something wrong with you. It's okay you to feel things. Someone. Yes. Like emotions You're are a human. Valid. You're normal if you feel that way. That's normal. Oh, and that's it's healthy. Just, it's just so sad. It's just a kind of a stab in the gut. Just going from, because it's such a, a difference going from book one to book three. And you're just like, oh, man, know. how did we get here? It's, I mean, it was a wild it's ride. It's a wild <laughs> ride from start to finish. Truly. Like, and when I started this series, I had not the slightest clue where we were going. Mm -mm. And so I just think that in itself, 
makes me speak very highly of Kate Stewart. Yeah, uh, it left me guessing. She wrote something so fresh and it's so special. Yes. So special is the perfect word to describe it. Like, I don't think I'll ever read another series that is like this one. And I think that's really cool. And that's something that I think sets her apart as an author because and that's why I'll keep rereading this book. Oh yeah. And it has such great reread value, which we've talked about before, but maybe um, not the third one, but the first two, definitely, you can definitely stop mm-hmm. at the second one and be fine. Yeah. I mean, the third one was just to like, the third one just up. gives you closure in your heart though. Yes. Yes. And I do have that now. And if I were to ever, you know, read it, this series again in the future, I probably would just read the first two and that's okay. I, I know what happens in the third one and I love the closure that she's given us, but it was just a bit long. <laughs> Well, and as somebody who, okay, so like I always, whenever I read like rom-coms, for example, or something where like there is always some dramatic thing that breaks apart the main male character and the main female character in the last like 10% of the the book, um, because, you know, there's always something that breaks them apart. And I always wish at the end of the book that I just got a little more backstory about what their life was like together. That's kind of what this was. It was just taken a little too far which is why I said, you know, I just want an extra five chapters. It was just a little too far because it was a little too repetitive. Yeah. It was a whole like song and it dance. It gave me what I needed, just a little bit too much of it. Exactly. Just took too long to do it, you know? Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think we're both in agreement there. So Tobias, really the only other main character in this book, it's really just the Tobias and Cecilia show. Sean was kind of like a background character. Same with Tyler. Um, But they played a very important role in the book. Loved his devotion to Cecilia, but my man was off his fucking rocker. Yeah, he was Um, not doing well. God, he was so jealous and like, It was really funny. He had some really funny moments. Like he was hilarious and I laughed a couple of times, but like other than that, I was like concerned. Yeah. Because the thing is it was funny, but like you can assume that Tobias himself, the character is being serious. So like for that reason, it's it's not that funny. (laughs) Um, Yeah. His jealousy was like off-putting because Cecilia like blue kisses to Tyler, Tyler's drone, not even Tyler himself. She blue kisses at the drone. And Cecilia and Tyler have a literally the most platonic relationship. Yeah, it's a They're like brother friendship. and sister. They are literally, yeah. And they tr- like react to each other and, and have a relationship that is very similar to siblings. I love it. And so it. for <laughs> Tobias to get jealous when she blew him kisses. Of Tyler, who was in love with his aunt, like die I hard know. in love with his aunt. I literally know. So I was just like, that's too far. That is too fucking like, far. Come on, man. It's Tyler. Like, can you imagine like your significant other getting mad at you for like, hugging your cousin or some shit because this is like the same line yeah like they're family (laughs) yeah so that was just like "Mm." (laughs) yeah well and it was so wild to me that he got jealous over Tyler but not over Sean right he had such a respect (laughs) for like Sean and Cecilia's relationship and I think partly is because of like how Dom played into it and he would never think poorly of his own brother yeah but it's just like come on man like she didn't sleep with Tyler <laughs> I know I know that is kind of funny that he's like, just wild to me but I also do think maybe 
Maybe because I also did take it as when she was like blowing the kisses at Tyler or whatever, I did kind of take it as he was just being playful whenever he was like, you know, you like, you don't give your kisses away. I did kind of take it as that. And so maybe like, he's not weird about her and Sean's relationship because like, he knows like, okay, this is actually serious. Like, right. I can't like actually like even joke about that because like, this is actually like a big deal to her and like, I respect that. So like potentially, yeah, I think it has a big (laughs) lot to do with like how it all played out and like the, just the deceit that went on and like the mistrust. I know among all of them, they all kind of fucked it up to be honest. They were all, he probably won't touch that with like a 10 foot pole. I did um, love that we finally got that closure, though, at the end with Tobias, because the whole book, he was just blaming himself for Dom's death and like he wanted to die and like he was not in a good spot. And like when they finally made it to France and like they were able to move into his father's family home and they they met at the finish line, like he had a very beautiful moment on the beach where he got to talk to Dom and kind of like just share all the feelings that he had about what's happened in the past eight years and it it was such a good way to end the story if cecilia is currently the most important person in his life then dom is close second if not tied for first yeah i would say tied for first i mean it's his baby brother like he from a young age at the age of 11 he took on kind of like a guardianship role for his baby brother and so he has never felt more protective over a single person than he has Dom. And so like for him to be blaming himself for Dom's death for six years, like that has to have taken a freaking toll on this man's mental health. And so just to see him finally like let that go and take that off his shoulders because it was not his fault. Dom made some choices that led ultimately to him getting injured and dying and that fucking sucks but like you can't you can't blame yourself he made that choice he didn't want to live if cecilia was not in his life and like no which freaking which kills me man he would have you know if he just would have lived would have found somebody would have moved on but like that pain was just (laughs) too great for him at that moment he basically just ultimately took his own life like he knew he was not going to survive if he made that choice and so that's what hurts the most is because it it's like it would have gotten better like that pain would have gotten better but he didn't let in it. that moment yeah like it just <laughs> it was too much it was sad and but it was his choice not Tobias's I know and so <sighs> it, was, it was nice to have that lifted off his shoulders and same with like the guilt that he felt with Sean and their relationship being broken for Sean forgave him and yeah and well and Tobias forgave Sean too because they both had betrayed each other at some point and they were they were essentially brothers as well Sean was another baby brother to him so for that to also be reconciled was so powerful and I think like that's the closest thing Tobias would experience to closure with Dom as well so that was like really really a big deal for him 
that last 10 percent of the book made me so emotional i know and it made it worth like getting through the it middle part that i didn't it. like because <laughs> you're like thank you like we got to the finish line as mm-hmm. readers as well mm-hmm. and man was it tough <laughs> it was tough um well no let's offense, talk Kate. Kate, we love you so much. You're a goddess. Um, let's talk about some of the stuff we liked about the book. Because there was a lot that happened that was very good. That oh, was absolutely. so good in this book. I think the first and biggest one was just the very last chapter with Sean and his son. It was just chef's kiss. Like, oh, yeah. the best fucking thing I've ever read in my life. Because first of all, we get to see how happy Sean is with Tessa. And I think that is very important because everyone fucking hates her guts because she was so mean to Cecilia. But like to see the <laughs> love that she he has for that lady and his children that he's had with her, like, it's like, damn, okay. Like, yeah, she was probably really worried about it. And I get it, Tessa. Yeah. I do. And like just that last interaction with Sean because his kid knows he's doing something and like he wants to be a part of it. And so when he kind of reflects what he had asked to Cecilia that night when she asked if she could know more about what he's up to and he said, can you keep the secret? And he turns around and goes, well, I guess what I'm asking is, can you keep a secret to his son? Like it gave me goosebumps. Like me too. I Ah, like it made that whole book, the whole book worth reading just to like see that last interaction to see how the legacy of the Raven Hood was being carried on. It was the perfect circle. And like the fact that his son is named Dominic to like after Dom, it just like, you know, that this is also like so cathartic to Sean, like sharing this with his son who has been named after his best friend. the characteristics of Sean. Yes, exactly. And so like, this is, it's got to feel so good to him to share this part of his life now with his son. Like it's finally gotten to the point where he can. And so that's got to be like such a big like thing for him. Well, and not only that, but I just love that Kate Stewart started with Sean. Sean was like, the first dude that we met and it ended with Sean. And so it really gave us closure as readers too, to see that he's doing well, because that was our first love. Yeah. Like that, that was like the character we all fell in love with before anybody else. Yeah. So I was so glad that she ended with Sean. Because when you start book one, you're like, oh, this is it. This is like, our Sean's man. great. And it's like, nope, you do not know who the love interest is because then Dom's introduced and you're like, wait, What's okay, it's both of them. And, and then like, Tobias too just shakes you up and spits you out and <laughs> spits you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The roller coaster was phenomenal, Kate. Kate, I cried. I cried at the very end when he asked that of his son. And I think that was great because once again, you have evoked deep emotions for me. And that's all I ask as a reader is that the author evokes emotions. She's so good at it. She's a master. (sighs) So good. Um, I also just like, I love that Cecilia and Tobias finally get their freaking happily ever after. Yeah. Not only is it like, like so great for us just because like we want them to be together but it's what Tobias talked about in book two when he was falling in love with Cecilia he told her like he had this dream like this was his finish line this is what he was working toward and so 
that just makes it even better is the fact that they actually like made it to that point. Like they didn't get killed in their like life risking efforts in the Raven hood. Like they fought their way through, they got their goals accomplished and they like made it out. And so freaking powerful. Not only that, but like Tobias discloses that, you know, his father did have, I think it was, was a bipolar? No, I can't remember. Demen- I think schizophrenia. Schizophrenia. Yeah. Um, so his father had a mental illness. And so a, a big reason why he so hesitated to commit to anybody was because he was so scared that it was going to pass on to him and he'd pass it on to his children. And so like the whole ending where he, he waited the full amount of time to make sure like it hadn't passed on to him before he committed to Cecilia and they had children. I thought that was really beautiful as well. And like, I know it was such a big deal to him too, because he just had so much anxiety around like him ending up like his father. Because he did also have other mental health issues. Yeah. So he, he He was was depressed. Right. He had OCD. OCD and anxiety. And he was like, fucking great. Like (laughs) I'm going to, slowly deteriorate and lose my mind, which I also think it's important to talk about this as well, because being diagnosed with schizophrenia is not a it's not the end sentence. of the world. It's not like the, um, fortunately there have been so many, like, I, I always feel like I have to get on my soapbox because no, do it. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's important. Mental health is so important. Mental health is so important, but there have been so many advancements in the treatment of mental illnesses in general, including schizophrenia and with treatment and cognitive behavioral therapy, it is a manageable disorder. It is not curable, but the symptoms can be managed so that you live a life, a full life, a happy life with your loved ones. And it is not a death sentence. I think people are so like horrified by the thought that they could have that happen to them. And while I'm not like, obviously it would be so scary. I would not wish that on anybody. No, it's it's the same as getting any other life altering diagnosis horrifying it's scary it makes you question it's the unknown exactly but I don't like want that to like this message of this book to be like misconstrued as like oh yeah if he had gotten schizophrenia he could not have lived with Cecilia and been happy like you know because that is a negative of how she wrote that for sure but at the same time it was like from Tobias's perspective and like he was those were his like emotions coming through and like, you know, how he was seeing it. He was seeing it yeah. at the end of his personal world, which I completely get, but I think it's like important just to kind of like mention that since we're, you know, on the topic because it's in the book. Um, but yeah, like, Oh, let me see what this YouTube channel is. Hold on one moment because there is this lady who is amazing and so brave and so awesome. And she has schizophrenia. And it really can be scary getting that diagnosis and like there are definitely communities and there's help, you know, to kind of work through it, that initial, you know, fear of, of having it. And, um, like Caitlin said, it's, it's really not, you know, the end of the world, even though it seems like it at the time, there's just so oh, many things to help with it. Yeah. And absolutely. If anyone were to receive that diagnosis, absolutely I would be scared, grieve and take your time and grieve the whole process because it is changing your life it is the end of your world as you know it right that moment so I but it's not the end to... of the world 
Exactly. Exactly. I'm like trying to, to like make it, make it make sense. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to like get my thoughts out in a way that I'm meaning them. We are big mental health advocates and you know, if there's anything you're struggling with or like you said, you get diagnoses that scare you. Like there's definitely communities, there's help, there's people you can talk to and I find it. it. Yeah. Her name is Lauren. Um, Her YouTube channel is just called living well with schizophrenia. Actually. She lives with a diagnosis of schizophrenia and schizoaffective disorder. And she posts so many educational videos about like her experiences. Obviously, you know, it's just her personal experience. It doesn't apply to every single person, but you know, she's talked about times in her life um, before she was being treated and how, how that affected her life and relationships. But now um, she talks a lot more about like, just her current like day to day, like she'll make videos sometimes. And it's like, you know, I'm not having a good day today, that kind of thing. And she's just like really open about what's going on, what kind of things she does to like handle it. And she is so amazing. I am like, I love the transparency. Yes. I was like, so proud of her without even knowing who this person is. When I first saw one of her videos pop up, I was like, that is so like brave. And I'm not like, obviously there's the connotations that go with mental health disorders that True. make it, you know, like seem kind of brave to like talk about it, but also just to talk about anything that personal, whether it's a, uh, some kind of diagnosis or like a personal relationship or something, sure. talk about something that personal to help other people on the internet is just like, wow. Yeah. Like, that is so selfless and amazing. And I love it. I love her. No, and it just, it makes me happy to see stuff like that because I mean, not that everyone knows, like, you know, I myself, like I have tics and I have really bad OCD. And so to see people who are able to like help others feel more normal, like that is so important because you do feel like, you know, you're not normal and you feel like you're in this place where you're so different from everyone else. And so it really is just such a big difference seeing somebody who's going through the same thing as you, who can help you, who can give you tips on like ways to make things feel better for yourself. It's just so important. Exactly. Because these illnesses are invisible. We think that they're less common and they're not. So it's just really important to always keep that in mind. Like you are not the only person going through the things that you're going through. Like other people have these same um, mental health disorders and it's really important to be open and honest with your healthcare providers and also with your friends and family. Yes, they can help. That's our soapbox. Anyway, (laughs) back to our regularly scheduled program. (laughs) Oh, I freaking love the whole, like they infiltrated the freaking United States of America. Yes. Like what the hell? By the way, I'm actually like best friends with the president of the United States. He's like, yeah, I got the president elected. (laughs) I literally organized that. And that guy, he's actually really dope. Um, That dude's dumb as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) He is, but he's like a chill guy. But no, he's not. He's actually the best. I, I, that was probably my favorite flashback out of the entire story is how he met him and Same. like their night together. Like genuinely good guy. Yes, the night that they had together that changed everything. Mm-hmm. And Tobias uh. was like, this man had, because Tobias's whole thing 
in general is like, if you want to see corruption, like look where the money is. But here was this guy, Preston, who had money, but he wasn't a horrible like motherfucker. He had money, but he wasn't a disgusting piece of shit. And Tobias was like, oh, you can have money and not like literally just harm other people every day. Yes. For fun. <laughs> like, you know what? We need you in the big leagues. I'm not going to lie. When I read that chapter the first time, cause he was saying how, like how Preston's parents had died and how he basically was on his own. And like, he found, he sought solace in Tobias and their friendship, but like how he had just left all of his luggage for him one day. And yeah. like after they're not out together, I'm like, Oh my God, is this dude going to kill himself? I got so scared because I was like, no, not Preston. But then he was oh, like, yeah, no. then he went on to be the president of the United States. I was like, what the fuck? Oh, really took a turn for you. Oh my God, I got so scared. When I was reading that chapter, I was like, oh my God, is this guy Bruce Wayne? Like, he just <laughs> I was scared for him and like his fuck. like depression. Yeah. But like when I read that part, I did immediately take it as he just like wanted Tobias to have things. And yes. so I did I not assume. immediately jumped to the worst case scenario. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, should I panic? Like, am I, is he okay? I'm going to just like go ahead and panic and, and I can always change my mind later. You know what was my absolute favorite part of this entire book was... What? Cecilia's mom telling the story of how she took care of the King brothers. So Mm -hmm. I got so freaking emotional over this. So it starts out, you know, Cecilia was pissed at her mom still because they kind of had a falling out um, because she felt like she just lied to her, which she had. And we find out she continued lying to her, but (laughs) it was for a good reason. But also Um, she didn't know that Cecilia and Tobias were like together too. True. Because when she saw him, she was like, what the fuck? (laughs) She's like, what are the chances? (laughs) So as we know, Cecilia's mom was the, the cause of the fire that killed Tobias and Dominic's parents at Horner Industries. And so she felt so guilty about it. And one day she saw Tobias walking to the the drugstore to buy Dominic some uh, medicine because he was sick and their aunt was a drunk and she was gone all the time. And so basically Tobias had to step in as Dom's dad. Like that was his parental figure, not Delphine. And so on his way there, she was like, hey, let me offer you a ride. And she's like nine months pregnant with Cecilia at this time, <laughs> like heavily pregnant with Cecilia. And Tobias was like, ah, stranger danger. No, thank you. And she was like, no, no, no. Like, if you don't get in here, I will start crying. And she does start crying. And she's like, get in this car. Which <laughs> so is, you should always get in someone's car if they threaten to start crying. Yes. Like, everyone knows. <laughs> And so she takes him to this drugstore and she knows who he is too. Like she knows where Delphine lives because Delphine was one of her only friends at the plant until her sister's death. And so she takes Tobias there and he's like counting change in his head because he's got $5. Like he has to spend this correctly. And she ends up buying him books and cars and medicine and food and snacks for Dom and like all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, whoa, I can't afford this. And she's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Like I, I got it. And like throughout the years, 
like continue sending them money and sending them stuff like as they get older. And so while Cecilia was growing up, they didn't have any extra money and they kind of lived off the bare minimum. And we find out it's because her mom was sending anything extra she made to the King brothers because of what she took away from them. And it made me so sad for Cecilia and her mother, but also for Dom and Tobias because it was just a shitty situation but they never knew who was sending that to them they never knew like what these donations were I think they assumed that it was Roman kind of paying them off to keep them quiet but it wasn't at all because she literally um Cecilia's mom did not tell Roman about it at all because she was like they didn't have contact with each other well that and also she was like he'll see it as like we're admitting guilt to like the death of their parents basically so yeah like that was completely her own money which she did not have a lot of and I, I don't know, that was just my absolute favorite part of the book, seeing that, like, they saw it as having, like, a guardian angel of sorts while Cecilia was living in basic, like, poverty due to her mother's guilt. Right. And so. Which, I, I mean, just... the, the boys were also living in poverty, too. Oh, yeah. Like, Delphine was, was not a good caretaker. Yeah. And, like, those things she was sending them, it was, like, also the bare minimum. So, yeah. like, because she was having to split her money, basically. Um, so. I think that part is like, you know, like, it's not like she was taking care of them more than she was taking care of them. No, no, no. She wasn't neglecting Cecilia. She was just doing whatever she could to, like, kind of appease some of the guilt she felt over the death of their parents. Right. I just wanted to make that clear in case anyone read the book. (laughs) But it was just, I don't know. It was a very sad, very, like, open moment that she had between her mom, but also between Tobias and Cecilia's mother. Um, and it, it kind of felt like, again, come in full circle. So a lot of this in the series was just tying up any loose ends that we had. Yeah. And I did really love that. Honestly, another one of my favorite things was just that entire scene of Tobias. He had this whole plan for date night. He was going to cook Cecilia a dinner. He had set up these like twinkling lights in the backyard to look like fireflies to remind them of falling in love during that summer they had together but he gets extremely drunk because he's reading the thorn birds to understand Cecilia better. And when he reads that he's like drinking to try to cope with the fact that like, she thinks these things about him. Like she thinks that he's a bad guy basically based on his interpretation of this book. And so he gets so roaring drunk, like blackout drunk. And he's like, Cecilia, this isn't us. Like he's texting her and she's like, okay, um, <laughs> <What the fuck? laughs> um, yeah, I know it's not us. Um, I'll be home soon. And XOXO. So she's like driving home and she sees him running down the sidewalk in his <laughs> fucking jeans and an apron. She's like, hello, like get in the fucking car. car. <laughs> <laughs> and so she, like, when she gets in the house, the kitchen is destroyed because he just accidentally makes a horrible mess while he's drunk as fuck. He's she, very like, upset. <laughs> He's very upset and she like tucks him into bed and goes to let the dog out and sees the lights and she's like oh like he's he's really trying and so that part was like it was sweet because you could see that progress on her end but he didn't know about it. It was a turning point in the book. Yes it was but it was also hilarious. (laughs) But it was the funniest thing I've ever read. And then, like, also when he first arrived in town, this is just another like, <laughs> funny Tobias moment. 
um, she had a to-do list out, like with some, you know, some chores, some things to do. Um, at the end of it, it said like entertain Mr. Handsome. And he was like, the fuck you are entertaining. Who the hell is that? And so it turns out it's this patron at her cafe who's like hot and he's like in a suit and shit. And so he's like, absolutely not. Um, she is not to doing this man. And it was just super funny. It turns out that guy, Cecilia literally knew. She knew. Bad guy. Um, She was like, this guy was actually sent here to like keep tabs on me. And I know that, but I'm trying to make Tobias jealous for funsies. And also to keep him in the dark about my badass plan to take down these bad men. And she pulls it all off because she's a fucking baddie. She's a baddie. Um, There were a few things that I also hated about this book. Um, honestly, I think the, the first and biggest one, cause we've covered some other stuff, you know, the back and forth and, um, how we could have just condensed this to a few chapters, but I think yeah. what ground my gears the most, um, was that she named her dog after Tobias's father, who he revered more than anyone else in the world. And I felt <laughs> like that was just kind of like a slap in the face. That is kind of disrespectful. Like how disrespectful. But, but I will say when she named that dog, she was like trying to find closure in her relationship with Tobias. And she thought that she was never going to be with him. I know, but like, man, that just sat wrong with me. I get it. I do. Um, because it's a dog. So it's like, we're really like, it's one thing to name your child after someone that's extremely sure. important to you, but your dog, it's like, a it's little like, yeah, bit- you could have named your firstborn <laughs> child, Bo, not your dog. Yeah. It, it's like, mm, I get it. I get I it. You're hit right. me, hit me wrong. Hit me wrong. Um, but other than that, like I said, we kind of talked about everything else we didn't like. We're not going to beat a dead horse because Kate doesn't deserve that. No, she doesn't because she did so many good things. And that's she what did I want so many good on. things for us. Um, I do want to touch on symbolism because we had um, something new introduced this book. So we talked about like in the first book and and also it carried over into the second and third books, the symbolism of the ravens in the Ravenhood. Um in this book, Tobias has this, like, basically this shell that's been closed and inside it are, like, these little, like, I don't, are they made of pearl or just stone? They're little doves. Pearl. Like, little pearl doves. And it's, like, something his father had given to him. And so, like, he's never opened it because it's been, like, something that he's cherished. And he's, like, I need, like, the right time to open this. Like, it's become something very important to him. So he does open it for Cecilia. There's five pearl doves inside. And he tells her they represent her, him, Sean, Dom, and Tyler. Mm -hmm. Tyler. And he's like, these are like, they symbolize us now. It's like the founding fathers of the Ravenhood plus Cecilia. Plus Cecilia, because she is like the most important person in his life right now at this point. And so just that transition from ravens to doves is a symbol in itself because doves are often a symbol of peace, of freedom and love. And so this is like they're transitioning from being active in the ravenhood to retiring and like, you know, living out their dreams basically now that they've like accomplished everything they set out to do. They are now free to live in their lives and with their loved ones and just like 
not have that daily fear of like being in dangerous situations and risking your life for certain things. Like they're free of that. And like, they served their time. Basically. It's kind of like how I imagine it feels for people to retire from like military service. It's kind of like, I'm transitioning now to a period in my life where I have very much earned the right to like live my life in a peaceful and happy way. So it was a very like powerful moment in the book. It's like basically right at the end. Very good ending to the story. Yeah. So I thought that symbolism was really cool. Um, Just also because they're both birds. And so they like, you know, Kate kept it in the same like. Because the crows like represent like a fraternity, like a brotherhood and mm-hmm. um, like a never ending like loyalty to each other. Like transition of that. It was very nice. It was yeah. a very smooth Definitely. thing for her to do. Yeah, she's a good writer. I mean, I think we can just say like, yeah, everything. like she's really good. <laughs> I'm going to read her other books, Drive and Reverse. Reverse is her newest book coming out and I'm going to start oh. the new series and I hope it's um. I hope it's amazing. I'm sure it will be because she's incredible. It's always like great to, to wait until the point when like, there's already multiple books out in a series. Cause you're like, haha, I don't have to wait for that. Yeah. Like, that's why I started the Ravenhood because it was already done. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. I, I read unfinished series. Cause I hate myself. <laughs> um, yeah. So it gives me something to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, um, I just want to feel like my life is worth living. So <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, um, but that wraps up the Ravenhood series. So it's it's really been a pleasure reading it. Like I said, Kate Stewart is awesome and um, read her other stuff. But um, join us next week when we cover um, another segment of Poetry Corner. We're going to be focusing on Margaret Atwood, who's one of our favorite poets. Margaret Atwood inspired my love of poetry yes she is Thank you, Vicky Meyer. for me yes so tabby and i we were in a um basically an advanced, international yeah like like you know think of like an honors class basically but they had like this whole program for it um but it was literature world literature and our senior year of high school we had this wonderful educator miss vicky meyer she is fantastic through and through I wish I could catch up with her because I feel like she's the reason that we read that we read poetry that we are like a cultured people (laughs) one of the biggest things that I took away from her is the the amount of times that she drove this home but she would always just say reading saves lives it does whether she was joking or being serious like (laughs) reading does save lives and that's why we are doing what we do today she is a wonderful educator and I hope she's doing well and still thriving Um, But anyway, Margaret Atwood is one of our favorite poets, and we are so excited to share her poems with you and analyze them with you next week. So we'll see you there. And as always, let's get lit. Let's get lit.